Hello, and welcome to the latest Aeon Pensions podcast, focused on providing risk settlement insights to help you on your journey to settlement. I'm your host, Karen Gainsford, an associate partner in Aeon's Risk Settlement Group, and I'm joined today by John Baines and Rianne Littlewood. So John is a partner in Aeon's Risk Settlement Group and needs our bulk annuity and commercial consolidation teams. And Rianne Littlewood is a business development manager at Phoenix Group, one of the eight active insurers in the bulk annuity market. Welcome both. Hello. Hi, Karen. So today we're focusing on the point in a scheme's journey towards settlement when they're likely to be ready to transact. So this could be with an insurer or a commercial consolidator, and it could be for the full scheme or part of the scheme, so something like a pensioner buy-in. So John, if I come to you first, when will schemes know that they're actually transaction ready? So what steps should they or would they have taken to get there? I think the first thing is it's a huge positive for any scheme to be aware of the concept of transaction readiness as a concept anyway. Uh, It's not that long ago that perhaps some schemes waited until they were 100% funded on a scheme actuary's best estimate of buyout uh, and then started planning for buyout. The idea would be schemes have a plan uh, many years in advance, potentially five to 10 years before with the key pillars of data, benefits, investment, member experience and governance. And to answer the question of when they know they're ready, it's when they've when they've achieved everything that they might have put in a plan many years before. And, and what's really interesting, I think, is different schemes uh, and different trustees and sponsors have different priorities there, depending on some of the history of the scheme, the complexity, the makeup of the membership, and actually just the dynamic between the sponsor and trustee themselves. And is it the same if a scheme's sort of looking towards a commercial consolidator rather than insurer? In a nutshell, largely yes. Um, but ultimately, you need to be in a fit state or a scheme wants to be in a fit state for a third party to be able to take on the benefits. Um, I think in both cases, whether you're talking insurance or commercial consolidators, what most people want is a high level of confidence that the third party is going to pay the correct benefits with a high degree of certainty. And then equally importantly, with a high quality member experience, there are clearly differences from a financial point of view between consolidation and insurance. But the preparation aspects are are very similar. I suppose the, the, the key differences are firstly, the time scale that the time it might take you to get to consolidate it could be much shorter. And then secondly, consolidation operates in a pension schemes world. So some of the flexibilities that you currently see in pension schemes might be able to continue uh, in, in a very different way and, and indeed uh, member experiences. So you do need to think uh, carefully about some of the differences, but in a nutshell, um, a lot of the key aspects are the same. And Rianne, what about from the insurer perspective? So what would a scheme need to do to convince you that they're transaction ready? I think there's several different aspects to that. And, and the bit that people tend to focus on is, is data and benefits. And, and that is really important because trying to get to the outcome that a scheme wants without good visibility of what the data and benefits really are is, is clearly just very difficult. Um, I think understanding objectives is another aspect of preparation that, that schemes really shouldn't forget. And schemes which are convincing when they come to market are the ones that have a clear strategy and can tell you exactly what they're looking for. And John, what do you think the benefits are of thorough preparation along the journey to settlement? I'd actually flip that question around and ask perhaps what the pitfalls are that if you don't prepare properly, and that might help answer the question. And I think Rianne's articulated well that uh, Rianne and other insurers in the market are pretty astute nowadays at identifying schemes that are the most likely to transact and weeding out the ones that, that simply aren't prepared. The market's got busier over the past few years. It's only going to get busier, in my view, as we go forwards, as more and more schemes do look towards some, some form of settlement. 
and those schemes that aren't prepared and there are lots of different ways as we talked about earlier why schemes might not be prepared will simply just not get quotes or the other way of thinking about it is the more effort that you put in up front i think the more effort that you will see from the insurance companies at the back end uh, in terms of better pricing and better overall terms the other pitfall i think is just the risk and, and cost of it a, a buyout exercise is uh, a really intense piece of work for any pension scheme you're almost certainly going to find some issue that needs some careful thought and a solution um, and many pension schemes are pretty complex beast by, by the very nature time that you don't necessarily have in the midst of a negotiation with it with an insurance company is, is exactly what you need to solve some of those issues and, and in the worst case scenario if you're in a time pressured situation and an issue arises it will derail the project in others it's just going to create some pretty unnecessary cost and stress at what can be a fairly stressful time anyway and Rian, from your perspective what point should schemes request insurance quotations if they're aiming for buyout I think it's a, that's a very scheme-specific question and depends, again, on, on strategy and where they are in terms of appetite for to have surplus left versus ability to, to put in additional funds if necessary. It's certainly not the ideal for any scheme to go to market and, and then find that buyout isn't affordable and have to, have to walk away and start again. But that said, it's also uh, not not the end of the world. Um, and there are lots of examples of schemes who've perhaps thought they're a little way off, gone to market and found out that actually it was affordable. So if, it, if a scheme is, is focused on buyout, uh, wants to get there, is well prepared, that, then I'd say they should be looking to approach the market. John, does that tally with your view? Yep, I couldn't agree more. I think certainly we've got a pretty good idea of where, where insurance pricing might be. I agree with Rian. There are pension schemes who who you look at and might be, I say, 90% funded, 95% funded. But when you actually take it to market, either financial conditions have changed or, or just being able to negotiate a better better price, either with the, the insurers or the reinsurers. But for me, it's important to to take to market at a time when you, when you genuinely are serious, uh, both from a financial perspective and operational perspective as well. And Rianne, is, is it possible to put a sort of pounds quantum on what the potential savings are for a well-prepared scheme? I, th I think it's very difficult to put a pound quantum on it. And I guess that there's a few different ways in which savings can come through. So one example would just be around uh, prudence. So where data is poor, we will find it difficult to, uh, we'll have to make a lot of assumptions and we'll find it difficult to, um, to necessarily uh, strip out all the prudence in that. Um, and if you want to be quite specific, that might be particularly prevalent in things like marital assumptions or, uh, or mortality experience data. But the other side, which is a lot less tangible, is just how much time we have when we're trying to put together a quote when we've got to the point where we know what the benefits are, we know what we're trying to insure, and we can go out and try and find some assets to, to get the best value and speak to reinsurers and try and get the best terms if we're still unsure exactly what benefits we're trying to, to cover at a pretty late stage, that's, that gets really difficult and that, that does feed through directly to value. And John, what, what sort of things can knock schemes off course? So just when they think they're reaching the finishing straight, what can, what can stop them from getting over the line? Oh, blimey. So I think the reality is there's lots of things that could blow a scheme off, of course. Um, but let, let, let me pick just one, um, which is perhaps quite topical in the market nowadays. Many medium large schemes, when they're looking at buyout, purchase what's called residual risk cover. Um, so in addition to the 
removing all the financial and demographic risks. You get coverage for things like data risk, benefits risk, legal risks, the risk that missing members turn up in future, which on the face of it is very attractive, but naturally there's a cost associated with uh, the insurer taking on those additional risks. And perhaps equally importantly, um, an insurer will be required to do some pretty detailed due diligence to understand some of those risks in a, in a pension scheme. So trustees and sponsors have got what I think is is a pretty interesting decision, but often very complex. Um, do you want a third party to look in boxes that perhaps haven't been opened for the last 30 years to review the full history of your governance, to check every legal document's been executed correctly? And if it's the first thing that some of these documents and some of the processes have been looked at for many, many years, for me, there's a pretty high risk that there is something that could blow you off, of course. So a well-prepared scheme, I think, would put some thought into what actually is the cost that you might want to pay for this? And more importantly, what's the scope of the cover um, really early on? So you can do that preparation and, and avoid being blown off course later on. Rianne, any experiences from your perspective? Very much agree with all of that um, around residual risks and, and the things that can come out of the water late on. And I'd also say, I think there's often a uh, a sense that it's it's commercially advantageous to the um to the scheme to to have a clear view on on this stuff before they go to market so that they can uh, take advantage of of competitive tension and I don't I don't disagree with that but but I would say further to that it's actually very much not in our interest to have things come out during an exclusivity period the the last thing you want when when you're working towards a transaction is to have a problem come up at that stage, I think it's in everyone's interest for, for these points to be clear and upfront uh, ahead of getting quotations. Okay, so let's think about, okay, we've, we've done our transaction. So Rianne, where should the focus be after a transaction? Is it sort of job done for the advisor and the trustee? Time to relax? Very much not, or shouldn't shouldn't be anyway. Um, so, so if we're looking at, uh, at a buyout, so we're assuming we've, we've secured all the benefits in the scheme and, uh, and potentially working towards, uh, towards a wind-up. Generally speaking, I would say in almost all cases, there's some work to be done on the data post-transaction, and that really needs to keep moving because, uh, because the more that gets delayed, the longer it takes to, uh, to really close down the benefits, and that gives, that gives the most clean uh, and, and beneficial experience for, for members. I think I just agree with that. And um, it's the transaction that it's interesting. It's the transaction that grabs all of the headlines, but it's far from the end of a, of, of a scheme's life. And in reality, it's, in my experience, the buyout and the wind-up journey that can be even more complex. Um, Rianne's talked about data, but if you think it's data, benefits, member communications, because the member experience starts becoming really quite important there. Trustee indemnity insurance, often DC benefits. What trustees and sponsors really need is, is someone that can help manage all of those areas and work collaboratively with the insurance company as well. And certainly something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about developing our own buyout and wind-up service. Okay. So a, a lot of good points made today. Now I'm going to put you both on the spot. If you could pass on one top tip to our listeners today of things I should have in mind as they reach the end of their journey to settlement, what would it be? John, if I come to you first. I'm going to give the cheeky answer, which is um, by the time you get to the end of your journey to settlements, it should all be plain sailing because the, the real key points and the point that I hope you've taken away from today is you shouldn't be leaving actions until pretty late in the uh, in the overall process. And, and, and the real key point for me is um, do all of the preparation as early as possible. Rianne? I agree with everything John said, but if I had to give one thing, I would say know what you're trying to achieve. So clear objectives clear objectives articulate your objectives it makes 
makes everything much easier, much more likely to achieve them. Great. Okay, thanks both. So to summarise, thorough preparation has clear benefits in terms of pricing, whether aiming for insurance or a transfer to a consolidator, but also reduces the risk of being blown off course through any unwelcome surprises late in the day. And importantly, the work doesn't stop when you transact, so particularly for a buyout. A well-managed implementation can lead to an efficient buyout and winding up of your scheme. So that's it for today. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks very much, Beth. So you've been listening to the latest edition of the Aon Pensions podcast on providing resettlement insights to help you on your journey to settlement. With me, Karen Gainsford, and my guests, John Baines and Rianne Littlewood of Phoenix Group. If you need any further information on Aon Retirement Solutions or resettlement in particular, you can contact us by visiting our website or email us at talktous at aon.com.